We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into the LakersNation.com live postgame show. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane over on Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA. The Lakers fall to the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, we've heard this one before. They did it again. Couldn't close a game down the stretch. Took on a playoff caliber team. Played right there with them. Looked like they're of that quality through some moments. They stuck with this team. The Kings. And when it was time to make the plays and win the game, the Lakers said, no, we will not be doing that. Once again, losing a close game, 116 to 118. This team is, they're not getting blown out. They're not getting blown. They're showing that they're right there with some of the better teams in the Western Conference. And a lot of that is credit to LeBron James um, as well as Russell Westbrook. But when push comes to shove, when it's time to win the game and make plays in the fourth, the Lakers just don't seem to be able to do that that's the one thing we've seen consistently from this team is an inability to make plays regardless of who's on the floor down the stretch um we'll talk a little bit about the team and kind of where things are at with injuries and all that because this was this was the second game in a row as well where it felt very apparent that it was lebron it was a little bit of russ and that was kind of it that was all you didn't really have anybody else making any kind of meaningful contributions it was very obvious this team's missing Austin Reeves, missing Lonnie Walker, of course, but mostly missing Anthony Davis. Uh, LeBron finishes with 32 points, nine assists, eight boards in this one, but two of nine from deep. Made another controversial decision in terms of taking a sidestep three. Late in the game, the Lakers were down three. Now, the Kings were also being incredibly overzealous with how, uh, how much they packed the paint. They really didn't pay any attention to any Lakers shooters just just said, whatever, we're going to put everybody in the paint and just try to stop LeBron from getting to the rim. Um, and so that was, I think, part of the reason why LeBron took that shot. But nonetheless, uh, another sidestep three late in the game that didn't go. Russell Westbrook, 19 points, seven boards, five assists. Uh, again, I thought Russ was just fine in this one. But it's it's not so much LeBron or Russ. Again, you can get on LeBron for the, the decision-making down the stretch, and that's, that's fair. Kendrick Nunn had 14 points. He just had a hot shooting night. He didn't provide a lot else. But 14 points, I mean, you'll take it. In 16 minutes, he was four for six from three. They needed that. Max Christie had 12 points. He was two for six from deep. But you look, Troy Brown Jr., four points in 22 minutes. Thomas Bryant, eight points in 19 minutes. He has not been the same guy over the last, what, three, four games as he was when AD first went out. And he was a monster, and he looked great. And just doesn't, I, maybe he needs a week off. I mean, I wouldn't shock me if he was a little bit out of gas at this point because he was burning through so much energy um, when AD first went out and he looked phenomenal. Hasn't been that guy since. In fact, Wenyan Gabriel's been now consistently getting more minutes than him. Uh, again, eight points, four boards for Thomas Bryant, three points for Patrick Beverly, two assists, five points on two of six shooting for Dennis Schroeder. So the only Laker in the starting lineup to get to double figures in scoring was LeBron. That was it. Every single Sacramento King got starter, made it to double digits. Now, the Lakers bench did pick things up. 10 points for Wendy Gabriel, 19 for Ross, 14 for Nan, 12 for Max Christie. But nonetheless, this was 
another game where it just didn't feel like the Lakers had anybody else that was really capable of making the big play, making the big defensive stop, making uh, the big tough bucket. You just didn't really see enough of that. It really did feel like kind of LeBron and Russ, and then that was it. The game left you really wishing that you could see Austin Reeves out there, that Lonnie was out there to provide some scoring burst, and of course that Anthony Davis was out there, and you can't help but think how different things look if they have a full team. Now, the Kings were missing Sabonis, but I said before the game, Rashawn Holmes is a good player. He's been good in the NBA. He's going to seize this opportunity. You don't look at it like the Kings are down or just completely missing Sabonis. No, you're getting a guy who can give you 80% of what Sabonis would provide if he's really on, and he was. 16 points, 11 rebounds, three offensive boards, and the Kings crushed the Lakers on the offensive glass. That was a big, big problem, and he was 7-7 shooting. He's been dying for minutes on the bench. You knew he was going to come out and throw everything he had into this game. And he did. And credit to him. Again, 16 and 11 for Rashawn Holmes. So I don't even look at this game as, oh my gosh, the Kings beat the Lakers without Sabonis. Yeah, because you got most of, again, not the same. Sabonis is an incredible player. You didn't get the same production, but you got probably 80% of Sabonis' impact from Rashawn Holmes. But nonetheless, definitely a winnable game for the Lakers. They just couldn't execute down the stretch. 31 points for De'Aaron Fox. How many shots did De'Aaron Fox have? Bounce all around the rim and then fall in tonight. 31 points for him. The Lakers had so many shots. The rim out went the other way. But De'Aaron Fox was great again for the Sacramento Kings. All right, let me get into some of your questions and comments. Let's start with Koa. Said, master lock all the damn lucky bounces the Kings had and in and out shots that we had. Defense was awful. Couldn't take advantage of the Clippers or Wolves losses tonight. Yeah, I mean, the Lakers have lost four of their last five. Opportunities have been there for them to move up, and the Lakers have not taken advantage. Again, uh, the Kings provided the Lakers with opportunities to win this game, and they didn't take advantage. Again, uh, defense was terrible, and that was the big key going into this one. You don't beat Sacramento by trading buckets with them. You beat Sacramento by getting stops. You have to get stops. The Lakers are not a good enough offensive team to trade buckets with Sacramento and come out on top. Because what's going to happen is if you're just trading buckets and you're relying on your offense to keep up, well, your offense, the Lakers offense, is going to hit a dry spell first. The Lakers offense will break first almost every time. And Sacramento's will not. They will keep scoring. Their dry spell might be a minute. For the Lakers, it's going to be three minutes, four minutes, something like that. And that's going to make the difference in the game. You have to be able to get stops. The Lakers defense was not good enough to get stops. And frankly, the Lakers defense hasn't been that good since Anthony Davis went out which is, in a way, a testament to how good defensively Anthony Davis was playing. But you had to focus on getting stops in this game, and the Lakers could not do it. Once again, Sacramento shoots 49% from the field, 30% from three, but they had 14 offensive rebounds. So even when they did miss, a decent amount of times, the Lakers gave up the offensive rebound. So the Kings got the second-chance opportunity, just six offensive rebounds, meanwhile, for the Lakers. So that was a big problem as well the offensive glass was an issue kyle is there anything more gross than inducing sacramento fans chanting in our arena yikes okay on to the next one yeah i mean you would think hey if the lakers front office isn't embarrassed enough as is with the way the season has gone and the way the team's looking right now where it's you know kind of lebron and he's doing the the will smith in an empty room like what I don't have anybody else really to generate much here. Again, Russ has done some good things, but um, you would think that Sacramento fans chanting, which that's a thing, apparently. There's Sacramento fans. Um, I know they have fans in Northern California, but in Southern California, that's a surprise. Um, but chanting light the beam in that, that arena, that should be extra embarrassing. You would think that would make the Lakers front office angry, upset, again, embarrassed, enough to where maybe you do something. But so far, crickets. Again, trade deadline's coming up February 9th. Um, the market is an absolute mess. Um, so many teams are demanding so much for anything. I mean, we're talking, this is like this is like going and trying to eat at Disneyland prices here. That's, that's what teams are demanding on the trade market because there's just not that many sellers right now. So it's a very difficult market. But nonetheless, the Lakers, they've got to figure out a way to adapt and overcome. Um, and get something done here because it's, I mean, it's, it's tough to watch when Thomas Bryant isn't going nuclear anymore. And when Dennis Schroeder isn't going nuclear anymore, 
There's not a lot. There's not a lot to give LeBron any kind of real help. Cliff said, Ham seems like a great guy and good for the locker room, but isn't ready for the position. No X's and O's adjustments, situational awareness. Yeah, I mean, some of that's on the players, but some of that is on the, the coach as well. I mean, you see every team kind of has an MO. Now, last season's team, by the way, which was a worse experience than this, last season's team, their MO was they didn't look like they wanted to be there, right? A decent amount of games we saw where they they did not look like they wanted to be out on the floor. Um, they would get down and they would either launch the little fake comeback or they would get down and they would just say, okay, cool, we're we're done. We're not, we're not going to compete tonight. That was last season's team's mo this season's mo is they're good they're right there but they can't close out games right that's and and they have that mo for a reason right they, they have that that notion of what this team is because that's what they've consistently done is not be able to close out games and part of it is again you look at the king's game plan pack the paint and dare anybody to hit a shot anybody just dare them to hit a shot and put everyone in the paint and try to not let LeBron or Russell Westbrook drive. And it works, right? It works. So it's it's hard to find adjustments to that. That's why Darvin Ham said the other day that they need some damn shooting. Because what do you what do you do? Unless you can get a stop and get out and run in transition, and the Kings made it their I mean, they they ran back on defense like their lives depended on it because they knew that if they forced the Lakers to play in half court on offense, they've got a really good shot of winning the game. If they don't get back and the Lakers can get going in transition, that's how LA can score. Otherwise, LA struggles to score, right? If you just pack the paint on them. So you've got no shooting that other teams respect right now. And that's going to be a, a big theme moving forward. I mean, we saw the Kings do it tonight like crazy. What do you do if you're Darvin Ham? You look down the bench and you say, oh, I need shooting. And then it's not there. You don't have shooters to turn to. That's that's a problem. How do you generate offense then? Especially if LeBron's not hitting the three. If LeBron's not hitting the sidestep three or whatever, and that's what the Kings are giving him, yikes. And you're in big trouble. You're in big trouble. That's what we've seen from the from this Lakers team over the last few games here. Senpai said, I've been doubting him all season, but this is getting ridiculous. Does he realize Wendy and Bryant can play together? 14 offensive rebounds. And Thomas Bryant plays 19 minutes. I, again, I, I wonder how out of gas Thomas Bryant is, if that's the case. But ultimately, yeah, you could have played them together. Now, maybe you said the Kings, you're asking one of them to chase Harrison Barnes around, right? If the Kings starting group is on, okay, one of those players is dealing with Rashawn Holmes, and that's fine. The other one has to chase Harrison Barnes around, though, at the four. Maybe that's a, a bit of a tall ask for either Wendy. Wendy is certainly more capable of doing it than... Uh, than TB, but you're asking one of them to do that. So maybe that's a factor there. But even so, when you're getting crushed on the glass, yes, you would think that you know adding some more size would be good. But again, you don't have a lot of size either. So if you play them together and Wenyan starts picking up fouls, Thomas Bryant starts picking up fouls, they've made the decision that Damian Jones is not going to play. So you only have 14 players on the roster right now. Damian Jones will not go into the game, right? That's what we've learned. So that's down to 13 players. Now you're missing Anthony Davis, down to 12. Lonnie Walker, down to 11. Austin Reeves, down to 10. You have 10 players on this roster, essentially, for Darvin Ham to pull from. Unless you want to start getting into the two-way guys. And Ham played all 10 of them. Two of them are bigs. And the rest of the guys, even your wings, aren't that But Juan Toscano Anderson is 6'6". Troy Brown, 6'6". That's it. You don't, you just, there's not a lot of size on this team. But again, we've been talking about that since July. This roster is incredibly imbalanced. And sometimes you see that really pop up on the glass, places like that. Uh, Sean said, let's not blame the refs. Uh, was anybody blaming the refs? Oh, Kendrick, after that, that three, maybe argued he should have gotten a foul. You know, that's, I, I could see where Kendrick could argue it. I could see where you could say, if that's Trey Young, he's getting the call and things like that. But, I don't know if I want to see a lot. Of, I didn't think he got really bumped, bumped on that. So I wasn't too worried about, about the Kendrick non one, but game was lost by Russ in the first half. Oh, by Russ in the first. Okay. Kendrick complaining to the refs. He should have fouled De'Aaron Fox. Agreed. 
Uh, it wouldn't have been then a um, take foul, or I'm sorry, a clear path foul that allowed uh, two free throws and the ball to the Sacramento Kings at the worst time possible. Trade Russ, we've seen enough. Who you trade him for? That's it. I mean, right? Like we keep saying trade, make a trade, make a trade, make a trade. Who are you trading Russ for? Indiana offers not there anymore, right? And every other team around the league is going to say, oh, you want to give us Russ? Cool. You're attaching a first to him, right? Oh, wait, you want somebody back? Oh, no. Well, if you want somebody back, then I need both those firsts. That's what they're hearing from everyone. So what do you do? Not like they're getting great offers from teams. Teams are doing what they can, and maybe this is what they should do to fleece the Lakers. They know the Lakers need to make a move, and they're going to try to make the Lakers pay dearly. The Lakers have a history now of making mistakes on the trade front, and they're going to try to get the Lakers to make another one, make another mistake, and overpay for the wrong players. Right? That's, that's what's out there about the Lakers' front office. Right, They overpay in deals. They're not that savvy. They make poor moves. And they're gonna nobody wants to be the team to suddenly give the Lakers a good deal. When a bunch when for several moves now, the Lakers have made incorrect moves or gotten fleeced in moves. So that's the challenge. Trade Russ. Who are you getting? And how are you gonna do it? That's that's the problem. And again, I'm I'm not saying that to take the pressure off the Lakers front office. Adapt and overcome. They gotta figure out a way to get it done. They got to figure out a way to get it done. And again, it's not easy. They got to find a trade that's not just about this season because there's a chance that if they make a move, that even if they make a move, that what if LeBron gets hurt, right? AD comes back. This is what we've seen from this team for years now. LeBron comes back, AD gets hurt. AD comes back, LeBron gets hurt. They can just, they can't stay healthy. And so if you do that, if you go, you make a move and then there's another injury, you need to make sure you make a move that can help you next year. That's not just a this year move. Making just a this year move would be a problem. That that raises the bar that much higher for the front office. Jillian, fans expecting a 38-year-old to carry a bad roster every day. I mean, he is. He is carrying the roster most days. But And LeBron is amazing. And it's easy to forget that he's 38. Right? He's been incredible. Andrew Potter. 6'8", Harrison Barnes post up a 6'1", wing defender Patrick Beverly for a bucket and one ball game. Yeah, I mean, well, in that situation, that was Russ came over to double and did what you can't do, and he let Harrison Barnes, he, number one, he let Harrison Barnes split the double, and it was a nice play by Barnes, but then he reached and fouled him. Now you could say, based on the call that didn't get whistled for the Lakers on Joel Embiid that could have potentially won the game for the Lakers right there, what Russ did wasn't a foul, but it was a foul, just like the Embiid play was a foul, despite the NBA saying that it wasn't. Um, so he fouls him too. Made it and one. Big moment in the game. LeBron had just got an and one himself, and that got erased by that play. Kuz, Boyan, and Reddish are no saviors, but at least they're tall. Yeah, at least you need, at least, at least you have somebody with some size that can help you out a little bit on the glass. That's why wings are so important. It's because they're big enough, they're versatile enough to not just cover on the perimeter, but also provide a little bit of help on the glass. The Lakers, again, got crushed on the glass in this game, particularly the offensive rebounds. Go ahead, check the starters' points scored except LeBron. Yep, everybody in single digits. I went over that one. Mamba mentality. Braun was struggling for threes all night. Why does he keep taking them? I hate the ISO threes with a passion. Yeah, I do too. I, I you, If you joined us on playback for the live play-by-play of the game, you heard me say multiple times, oh no, here we go. They're doing the ISO ball thing again. I can't stand it either. Um, it usually, because what happens is like they get a switch, but when it's a big that switches onto LeBron, usually that results in a sidestep three. That's been his his move for years now. Um, rather than, you know, if you get, like if De'Aaron Fox got Thomas Bryant switched onto him, what is he doing? He's driving. He's going to the basket. He's going to get a step past him. When LeBron gets true bigs on him though, he uses their lack of quickness as a means to get off his three-point shot. And so you kind of knew something like that was probably going to be coming. Um, but yeah, the ISO threes, that was a thing again. And um, was certainly not, not what we wanted to see. Not what you wanted to see in that moment. But again, the Kings, I mean, they had everybody in the paint. Go watch how the Kings defended the Lakers. They just put everybody in the paint and they said, go ahead, shoot threes. 
We're not leaving the paint. That's what they did. Cliff, three to four guards on the court again. My goodness, Hamble. Once again, the Lakers have 10 players, right? How many of them are guards? Patrick Beverly, one. Dennis Schroeder, two. Russell Westbrook, three. Kendrick Nunn, four. Max Christie, five. So half of your players that you have available are guards. You have 10 players, half of them are guards. There's going to be moments where you've got multiple guards on the floor. And again, that's part of that you can say is ham, but part of that is also um, the roster construction. Again, we've been saying it since July. The roster's not balanced. It's not at all. It's not, it's a way too guard heavy. Again, it's as though they built the roster expecting a Russell Westbrook trade to happen. And so that would remove a guard and then it just never did. It never did. And now you're just kind of left with it as is, right? Like that's, that's what they've what they've got right now. So it's it's a mismatched lineup or roster. And so that's part of the problem that Darvin Ham. Now, I'm not saying that Darvin Ham has made the best decisions in terms of who he's deploying on the floor at all times, because he hasn't. But part of this is just who else does he turn to? He's got five guards on a team with 10 players. Westbrook's number represents our confidence in Russ late in games, which is zero. I mean, Russ made a mistake defensively late there. He also hit a couple of big threes that, that really helped the Lakers come back. But again, who else do you turn to? Esham. So just a side note, being a Lakers fan in Michigan, I hear Pistons news also. Detroit is only willing to trade Boyan for an outrageous price. They don't want to trade him unless it's a crazy, amazing offer. Yep. And that's what you're hearing about everybody. That's what we're hearing about Eric Gordon. Oh, Houston wants a ton for Eric Gordon. 34-year-old Eric Gordon. Oh, no, we want a, a ton for him. Boyan Bogdanovich. Oh, no, no, we want an unprotected first and a young player. We're going to trade him. And there's like 15 teams interested in him. Washington. Oh, no, 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 no. We don't want to trade Kyle Kuzma. No, no, no. Well, if you blow us, if you do something stupid and give us some crazy, okay. But otherwise, no, we don't want to trade Kyle Kuzma. That's every team right now. Every team that potentially could be a seller is demanding a fortune for anybody. And you can blame the market. You can blame the Wolves for massively overpaying for Rudy Gobert. Right? That may have disrupted the market a bit. But that's the other, that's part of the problem here. Yeah, the Lakers need a trade. Other teams need trades too. And the selling teams recognize that, and there's only a handful of them. And so they're demanding crazy prices. Enough to where, and things haven't shifted yet, enough to where I'm starting to worry that around the league, not just for the Lakers, but around the league, unless something changes, we could get a dud of a deadline. Because teams are demanding just, I mean, they've lost their minds with the stuff that they're asking for, for Random role players. Two firsts for Jakob Pertl. And I'm, I love Jakob Pertl. Two firsts for Jakob Pertl. We're living, I mean, this is a crazy time in the NBA in terms of what teams are asking for. And so unless something significant changes, I think what needs to happen on the market is you need Washington, Toronto, Chicago, some of these teams to start making players available. They got to start making players available, put more players out on the market, put a little more pressure on the selling teams, drive down prices a little bit. Because right now, it's not looking good for the trade market. And it's because so many teams are demanding so much for anything at the moment. So tough spot to be in if, uh, if you're the Lakers or any team trying to make a trade. Darius G, at what point do we agree that this is the team's identity? Well, yeah, I mean, this does seem to be the team's identity that they they just can't seem to win close games um they need and part of this is you look at the number of start i don't have it off the top of my head but how many starting lineups has this lakers team had a lot right a lot of more than any other team in the league because you've got players constantly shuffling in and out what's the lakers closing lineup what is it if i ask 10 people I'm probably going to get, what, at least seven different responses? 
They don't know who's closing game to game. And the thought occurred to me when I saw Sacramento out there. I went, oh, yeah, of course. Sacramento knows exactly who their starters are going to close. And oh, Simonis isn't here. Okay, well, then Rashawn Holmes steps in. But their closing lineup, there was no question who was going to close for them. There was no, well, tonight, maybe it should be none. But to, but maybe Max Christie. Oh, but what about Dennis Schroeder? What about Thomas Bryant? Because they've got guys in clearly defined roles. They've got guys who are good enough and are paid enough to have clearly defined roles. Guys like Harrison Barnes, Keegan Murray, they're rookie. I like a lot. Kevin Herter, Aaron Fox, right? They've, they've got these guys where we say, hey, this guy's going to do this. This guy's going to do that. These are going to be their roles, and off you go. For the Lakers, aside from, hey, LeBron's going to be on the floor. Other than that, we have no clue who's closing games, who's starting games, because everybody's kind of the same, right? You're just hoping somebody gets hot. Goes on a hot streak like Thomas Bryant did for a bit there. Or Dennis Schroeder did for a bit there. And you can capitalize on that. Wenyan Gabriel's been playing better. Okay, let's give him more, more minutes now. But all of these guys are veteran minimums. All of these guys are veteran minimums. And the Lakers are trying to find somebody that's going to step up and really just cement this role. And they don't because you're asking them to do stuff that's above their pay grade right now. So again, tough to develop chemistry when you don't have a consistent starting lineup. You don't have a consistent closing lineup. That's a difficult way to go through a season. And again, that's a byproduct of the way the roster was constructed. Let's get three stars. Nobody else matters. Just get guys who are on veteran minimum deals. Everything will be fine. Players will take less to be Lakers. Everything will work out. Not the way this, this game's played. Not today's NBA. But that's the way this roster is constructed. Mama mentality. Uh, said LeBron, Russ, and Dennis have a God-given gift. Most teams wish they had the ability to keep opponents guessing, drive for themselves, or pass, wish they would use it more. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see them putting more pressure on the rim. But again, against the Kings specifically, we saw it starting in the second quarter. It became more difficult to drive because they packed the paint. Now, again, those driving lanes open up if, hey, I'm kicking out, and oh, that's Buddy Heald over there. You know he's shooting, and he's going to make enough of them. Or I'm kicking out, and oh, that's Boyan Bogdanovich, and that's whoever. That's going to spread apart defenses, open up those driving lanes. But you saw the Kings from the second quarter on packed the paint and said, go ahead, shoot. No, go ahead, really, shoot. We're, we're not going to defend you. No, really, shoot. We're not going to defend you. Go ahead, Russ, shoot. Even Max Chris, and Max knocked a few down. Go ahead, shoot. Because we know long-term, we give you guys these looks, we pack the paint, we don't give you opportunities to get to the rim, and we're going to win the game. And that's what we saw happen. So, it's difficult to drive when you're just driving into a sea of Kings jerseys. All right, let's see what else we've got going on here. I know this is all negative and I don't want it to be super negative. I'm hoping the Lakers can make a move. I'm hoping guys get, but we might be a week away from Lonnie and Reeves and, and even Anthony Davis coming back. And that could certainly spark this team. And there's still room to move up in the West. This is not a lost cause as frustrating as it is right now. And it certainly is. I'm um, seeing the team make the same mistakes over and over. It's frustrating. Don't get me wrong. Very frustrating. But all is not lost. There's still opportunities here. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
You need Indeed. Uh, time to look. Assad said time to look at him and question his decisions. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, and I think we've been doing that, questioning some of the decision making there. Uh, First Coast said, I've been arguing with Kings fans that Reeves is better than Herter in a one-on-one matchup. Missed him the last two times we played them. <clears throat> I mean, look, Reeves is very good. It's been very clear that the Lakers have been missing him, that they could use him right now. And um, it's been hurting, not not having him. But this has been what we've seen for this team for two seasons now, where even the like the key role players just can't seem to stay healthy. And that's, um, you know, unfortunately it's happened to Austin Reeves, but the hamstring injury, hopefully he'll be back in a few days, though. Fingers crossed. Hopefully we'll see him back soon. Uh, as far as is he better than Herter, they both can make a similar impact. Herter's a different player in terms of his more of a, a pure shooter, but Austin Reeves is a very good player that can can be a difference maker for the Lakers. Uh, Bruce Chang, Beverly, none, and an unprotected first for Bojan and Burks. I'm sick of repeating myself. Rob needs to get this done. I think if you offer that right now to the Pistons, they're saying, well, throw in Max Christie. I think that's that's really where the Pistons are at. Or they're saying, hey, that's not a bad offer. We'll let you know on February 9th. Because they've got, I mean, it's in the double digits. How many teams are calling them about Boyan? So they're going to wait. And they're going to let teams bid each other up. And then if they're going to make a move, they'll do it at the last minute. And for the Lakers who are looking and going, right now, we need to win games now. Right? They're looking at their clock. They're going, oh my gosh, it's January 18th. We can't wait three weeks for February 9th. We, there's another, what, 15 games between now and then, or whatever it is. We need help now. So the Pistons and any other team is saying, well, cool. You need help right now, then this is the price. Otherwise, wait until the deadline. And we'll, we'll take whatever the best offer is then. In the meantime, we'll let you guys bid each other up, and we'll sit back and wait. And that's the right strategy for the Pistons. But again, I'm saying if Rob Pelinka called out the Pistons right now and said unprotected first, Bojan and Burks, Beverly and Nunn. I don't think that's instantly a done deal. Maybe it ultimately gets done in three weeks. I don't think that's an immediate yes from the Pistons. Because so many teams need shooting and wings, and that's exactly what the Lakers need. Assad said, take Russ out in the fourth, plain and simple. I mean, it's a little easier to make that argument when Austin Reeves is there, when Anthony Davis is there, when Lonnie Walker is there, you can say, well, take out Ross and you're going to put in Austin to make to just make winning plays, right? Or take out Ross and you're still going to have the similar rotation, but AD's on the floor, so he's eating up those minutes or whatever. Who are you putting in? Who are you putting in? Is it Schroeder? He didn't have a good game. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's another part of the problem here. Um, Harrison Barnes splitting the defense for the end one. Yep, that was a a terrible timing for a defensive mistake there. Mamba mentality says, Ham, give Cole Swider minutes. He should have been in at the last minute. You know, there was an opportunity when it was painfully obvious what the Kings were doing, where maybe you put Swider onto the floor for a few minutes just to shoot something because you know he can shoot, um, just to try to open things up. Now, defensively, he may have been, perhaps the concern was that, well, Harrison Barnes will burn him. So what do you do there? But yeah. Felt like Matt Ryan got more playing time. Swider's a spot-up shooter. Give him spot-up minutes. Ben McLemore role. We need bogey. There's a lot of teams right now saying they need bogey. But, yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you. You know, I thought there was an opportunity to use Cole Swider. I don't know that he saves everything, but when it became so painfully clear that the Kings were simply not going to guard the three-point line, I always say this. I say what you need to do is you need to make teams pay for their choices or punish teams for their choices. That's what you have to do. Because teams can't take everything away. You have to punish them for their choices. The Lakers used to be very good at this. Um, I remember years ago, the Lakers, I think it was in 2020, (laughs) the Lakers played the Clippers. And the Clippers decided they wanted to have Lou Williams on the floor late in the game. And the Lakers said, okay, we're going to punish you for your choice then. If you want to have Lou Williams' offense on the floor, we're going to make Lou Williams' defense really hurt you. And we are going to switch hunt. We're going to get Lou Williams on LeBron and LeBron's going to drive it past him every single time and score. And they did that over and over and over. The Clippers did everything. They tried switching Lou Williams onto 
uh, onto a different player, having him defend somebody else. I remember them switching him onto Danny Green. And so Danny Green just went, oh, cool. Okay, I'm the guy that goes and sets the screen then. Drags Lou Williams up, forces him to switch onto LeBron. Lakers made them pay over and over and over again and did not let them up, did not let them out of it of having Lou Williams on the floor. Lakers said, if you're going to have Lou on the floor, we're going to hurt you with it. The Lakers are being given three-pointers tonight, and they weren't able to hurt the Kings. They weren't able to say, okay, you've decided you're not going to let us drive to the basket. All right, then we're going to make it hurt from behind the three-point line then because that's what you're giving us. That's your choice. That's how we're going to beat you. That's how we're going to hurt you. Instead, the Lakers shot 32% from three and couldn't make them in the, in the big moments. That's where you've got to have that flexibility. Uh, Ham may not be ready. We'd be dragging Vogel. I mean, look, there's there's some truth to that, right? Vogel, to a degree, had kind of worn out his welcome with Lakers fans. I think you can question is, like, Russ overall in the season has been fairly good, right, for the Lakers. Is Are you getting this performance out of Russ if Vogel's the coach? I'd say probably not. But Darvin Ham does get to get a bit more leeway because he's the new guy and all that. We also knew coming in that there would be bumps in the road with a rookie coach. So, by the way, I didn't do the superstar of the night because I thought it's pretty clearly LeBron. I mean, even though he wasn't good down the stretch, still, I mean, Russ was 19-7-5, LeBron 32-8-9. and uh, played 37 minutes. Again, whenever he came off the floor, things tended to fall apart. I thought LeBron was uh, the superstar. And then as far as the you know the, the next man up, we used to call it the star in your role award. I, don't, I mean, I guess Kendrick Nunn, maybe Max Christie did some good things defensively. But there was just nobody that really popped to me in this game that really stood out. So that's why I haven't really done that. I guess... I guess it would probably, if I had to push game to shove, I'd probably go Max Christie. But as this comment notes here, Zero says he played well, but Max shouldn't close games. That's that's part of just being 19, right? Like, Max shouldn't be in a position where he has to close games. I said it before the season started, that if Max Christie is getting real minutes this season, something else has gone horribly wrong for the Lakers. And that's not a knock on Max Christie at all. At all. I think he's been good with what we've seen from him. But if you're relying on a 19-year-old who's a second-round pick to play meaningful minutes, other stuff has gone horribly wrong. And it has. You look at the guys who have been out injured. You look at the guys who haven't worked out. You look at the guys who haven't been able to defend. Um, yeah, that's not a... The fact that Max Christie getting minutes, like that's a testament to him, to his work, to the way that he's played so far. But it's also an indictment of how poorly the roster was put together because, oh my gosh, we have no wings and have to rely on a 19-year-old on a night-to-night basis when he should be learning the ropes. That's not good. Just tie. can we release Jones and go get Dwight? You could. You could. And it's a pretty clear Damian Jones is not going to get on the floor. But if you do that, Damian Jones has a player option for next year. That player option automatically sits on your books. So if you do that, if you release Damian Jones right now, you could. That's two point whatever, two point seven million or so less in cap space that you have to spend next summer. And I mean that's not the end of the world, but that's something that might matter this summer. That's two point seven million dollars that are sitting on your books for this season. It's $2 million in change. And by the way, I'm saying 2.7. I haven't looked to see that it is exactly 2.7 next year, but it's about that. Um, if it's this year and you waive him, you got to go tell Jeannie, hey, uh, we're going to waive this guy and you're going to pay him plus luxury taxes on his contract to not play basketball for you. That's a tough sell too. Now, again, you could say that's what's happening right now and it is, but... If you're going to waive him, you probably wait till after the trade deadline because there's always a chance that his salary could be useful in a trade. Maybe you can throw him in somewhere and then you don't have to worry about the player option. After the trade deadline, maybe that becomes a more realistic thing. But ultimately, yeah, it's it's unfortunate that you are essentially 
you're two roster spots down because you only have 14 players on the roster. You didn't fill your 15th roster spot after Sterling Brown's contract expired his 10 day. Maybe they'll sign another 10 day. That could come. Um, and Damian Jones is just, he's not a guy that's going to get on the floor. Uh, Menace, why does LeBron take such bad end of game shots? Uh, at least initiate a pick first or call a play. LeBron tosses up a shot out of the blue like he's Steph. Yeah, I didn't like LeBron's shot selection either. Uh, I think a lot of it, though, was the play was designed for LeBron to drive, and he did. He got into the paint, and then the Kings defense did a good job defending it. And then LeBron, after driving once, realized the Kings were just completely packing the paint. The shot that was open was the three, and so he took it. Um, he took another one in the fourth, though, too, that he missed. And I get why you're going to get frustrated um, seeing those shots when you know it's not going to be a good look. He's not been knocking them down this year. And it's frustrating, and I agree, but I can at least say the Kings were forcing him out of the paint in that in that scenario. They were making sure that even if he got in, there was going to be just a wall there. Uh, Reeb said, somewhere Frank Vogel is laughing. This roster, you have nothing to work with. Yeah, there's not a lot. There's not a lot for Darvin Ham to turn to here on this team right now. Not without Thomas Bryant's powers have faded. He's not... I, again, I think maybe he's run out of gas, but he's not the same guy he was a week and a half, two weeks ago. And Dennis Schroeder has fallen back to earth. Without those two guys doing their thing, there's not there's not much. There's not much. There's, this team was staying afloat because Thomas Bryant and Dennis Schroeder were playing like, beyond, like very good starters, right? Like beyond just rotation players, like high-level starters. That's That's the level they were playing at. And both of them have kind of gone away and just aren't those guys anymore, which again, that's why they're veteran minimum deals. Like they had a short burst. It seems that it seems to have regressed now. And when that happens and they go back, you know, clock strikes midnight, uh, coach turns back into a pumpkin. That's when suddenly it's, it's LeBron and not, and Russ and not a lot else. When you don't have Thomas Bryant and Dennis Schroeder playing at that level anymore. Brandon said, I understand the challenge, but dude, F the picks. If you, again, I understand the thinking, but if you just trade the picks, just say, hey, no matter what, trade the picks and go get something, right? That's fine. But what if that something isn't enough? What if it's both first rounders for Boyan Bogdanovich? You do it? Because after you trade those picks, you're done. You're done, done. You're done. You have nothing left of significant value to trade. So that's the problem for the Lakers. The Lakers know they messed up bad on the rust trade. Bad, bad. Like crippled the franchise bad with that trade. If they do that again, not only are they done this year, they're done for a long time. Whatever move they make with those picks, it's not so much about the picks. It's about your future flexibility. Whatever move they make has to be the right move. Has to. Because once they do that, once they move both those, they're done for a while. That's tough. That's tough. If, if you're coming, if you're calling teams and they're demanding the world, they're demanding outrageous prices. That's where we're at right now. And you know you have to get this move right. That makes it difficult to just say, well, F the picks. Trade him away. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Okay, you go get Bojan Bogdanovic. Then what do you do? And you've got LeBron and Bojan, and look, you'll be better. But is that enough to really win? Probably not. Again, I'm not saying the Lakers shouldn't do anything. It's not what I'm saying at all. They should do something. They should. But you got to be really careful, and you got to find the right move. Got to. Vector, I don't like to be critical of a rookie head coach, but man, I've been unimpressed with him this season. Like Will Hardy for Utah as a rookie head coach and has been great. Sure, personnel is a factor, but still, yeah, it's been largely uninspired, uh, particularly on the offensive end of the floor. We just haven't seen a lot of creativity there. Um, players are playing hard. I'll give them that. Guys are playing hard night in, night out. But you can see where there isn't much of a margin for error for this team, and that includes the coaching staff. 
there's not much of margin for error for Darvin Ham to make mistakes in terms of when he calls timeouts, what rotations he puts on the floor. That's cost the Lakers a few games this year. So it's not just the players. You know, the Lakers don't have much of a margin for error for Dennis Schroeder to have an off shooting night and still win a game. They just don't. But they also don't have a margin for error for Darvin Ham to make mistakes. And as a rookie head coach, that's kind of what happens is you make mistakes. Um, I still think he can be a good coach long-term, but I mean, things have looked pretty stagnant on the offensive end of the floor at times, unless they can get stops. That's been pretty much the only way the Lakers can generate anything resembling exciting offense is by getting stops and then getting out and running. That's been it. And I'm seeing people say, Miles Turner and Buddy Heald now, that deal's not there anymore. The Pacers have won too much. So, look, if that's on the table, if the Pacers... Now, the Pacers have lost some games recently. So, if the Pacers suddenly say, well, okay, we can't figure out an extension with Turner. This is on the table. Do it. Get it done. Should have done it before media day. Get that thing done. Everything we've heard, though, is that is not going to work. That's not going to work. That's not on the table anymore. GB, uh, big fan, bro. Well, thank you. I uh, love you guys. Russell Westbrook, Kendrick Dunn, Pat Bev, and Picks for KOJ, TR, and GH. Terry Rogier, Gordon Hayward. I don't know. So you're giving up a lot get those guys this episode is supported by fx's clipped the scandalous story of the 2014 clippers owners racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world the series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league starring lawrence fishburne jackie weaver cleopatra coleman and ed o'neill fx's clipped streaming june 4th only on Hulu. And I, it, like, this has got to be, if you're going to take on those future salaries from the Hornets, you're going to take on Hayward, who's got a deal next year. You're going to take on Rogier. So your cap space is gone, but Rogier's under contract for three more seasons after this one. And he hasn't shot the ball that well this year. You've got to be very convinced that those guys are going to really make you better because your spending power this summer goes away. And Kelly Oubre Jr., yeah, he helps you. He's a wing. He helps you out there. I don't hate it, but you're saving Charlotte so much money. I would want to try to keep one of the picks out of it. You're clearing, I mean, what is it? You're clearing 23, 75, over $100 million off of Charlotte's books. You're clearing. For the future, you're clearing a hundred million dollars in future salary off of the Hornets' books. That's got to count for something, even if Rogier's a good player, even if Hayward can help. If it's both picks because of that, I mean, you're damaging your future flexibility to such a degree that I'm probably not doing that unless I can do it for one pick. And then that gives me a little bit more flexibility moving forward because I can add another pick into somewhere else. Get LeBron some help. He gets us a 14-point lead and sits, and now we're up two points. Need help. Russ was giving it away in the first quarter. Our team is good. Need one more piece. I mean, look, LeBron is good enough to where he can get you pretty far. He gets you. He keeps you in games against some of the better teams. But you need the support system around them. You need the pieces to really glue it all together. And getting those guys isn't going to be easy. But if you can, yeah, I'm still for it. I'm not of the opinion that you look at this Lakers team and you just say, well, that's it. They're not good. So run out the clock. Just start the clock, run it, and get the season over with, and then we'll figure out what's what this summer because I'm not that enthralled with what's on the market this summer in terms of free agency. I don't – 30 million in cap space is not enough. It's not enough to build a team around LeBron, AD, and Max Christie. That's your team, and you have $30 million to build it out. That's not enough money. If you had 50 million, okay, maybe. But you've got 30 million. And you've got to fill 
12 roster spots. Now you can say, okay, you hang on to early bird rights for um, for Austin Reeves. Keep him around. Okay, so now you got four players and 28 million. Fine, you can do that. But still, that's really difficult to build a competitive roster with that much cap space. And that's and that's even if we're assuming that, hey, you look at every free agent that's out there and the Lakers just get their pick of whoever they want. That's not going to be the case. Other teams are going to go after guys. Other guys, other teams are going to land players that the Lakers would have wanted. It's not... Uh, keeping the cap space for this summer is not a surefire way to turning this team into a winner. That's why I say you do your, your summer shopping now if you can. If the right deal comes along now and you can get a player that you think can be a future piece... You do it. You do it. Because there's no guarantee that you're going to turn turn next year's team into something good with the amount of cap space they'll have available, especially, especially if you continue to go the three-star route. If you go, okay, LeBron and uh, an AD, and then we're going to throw $30 million at one player. Uh, obviously, it depends on who that player is, but there's not a lot of stars out there. And we're going to build around a big three model again. That could lead to another season very similar to this one. Uh, why does Juan Toscano Anderson keep getting minutes? I'd rather have Cole play because he's strong physically, defensively. He can do some things. And in this game, they they asked him to do that. He hasn't been great, but he also hasn't been terrible. He's given you some minutes here and there. But again, he's a veteran minimum guy. He's a wing who can come in and give you some spot minutes every now and then. The Lakers need more. But it's also not fair to ask more of veteran minimum guys. And because of the Lakers cap situation, because of the way the roster is built, they're stuck asking veteran minimum guys to do stuff that's just above their pay grade. Brandon, I'm sure if they go win now and trade the picks, they'll be able to trade a champion Reeves or Walker and AD and get at least two picks or am I crazy? No, and that's a good point, Brandon, that ideally what you want to do is if, if you do make a trade, um, you want to trade for somebody who's young enough to where let's say two years from now, <laughs> three years from now, you decide you're going to go into a rebuild. Then you can take those guys you traded for, some of the guys on your roster, you're going to go into that rebuild, you're going to flip them for some of the draft capital that you gave up. Now, that's the ideal situation. But what if that trade is, again, for a Boyan Bogdanovich who's going to be 34 come playoff time? Are you going to be able to flip him when he's 36, 37, and get a first for him? Probably not. So that's that's part of the problem there. It's getting those guys, too, that if you need to flip them down the road, you'll be able to. And you can say, well, then, then Kyle Kuzma. All right, but now the Wizards are saying, well, you have to blow us away with an offer. You have to overpay to get him. To get a guy who's going to be a free agent that you can get without giving up anything in the summer. And the Spurs are doing the same thing. Oh, no, 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 no. Yaka Pearl, you got to give us two picks. He's a free agent in July. That... That's the level of crazy that we're seeing out of teams on the market right now. David, accepting AD is injury prone, likely to miss many games in a season. How do we build a winning team next year? Signing new minimum players every year is foolish. Agreed. Need to see a better plan from the front office. Yeah, you've got to build sustainability. That means you've got to have players that you're going to keep around long-term. You're going to um, actually use bird rights to keep those players and not once you start down this cycle of veteran of one-year veteran minimum deals, one of two things is going to happen when you sign a player to a one-year veteran minimum contract. Either the player's not going to be good enough to get real minutes, and you're not going to bring him back the next year. Or if you're a capped-out team, the player's going to be good enough to get real minutes and no longer be a veteran minimum player, and somebody else is going to pay him, a.k.a. the, the Malik Monk situation. And then you're stuck going in. Okay, now... All right, this guy left. We still have to fill out a roster. We still don't have any cap space. So now we're going back to veteran minimums again. One-year veteran minimums. People using the Lakers for their spotlight so they can come to the Lakers, rehab their value for a year. The next year they cash in and get a bigger contract. Again, the Malik Monk playbook. Nothing wrong with what Malik Monk did. But for the team, that's a recipe for disaster. You never build any chemistry. You never build any cohesiveness because players are constantly shuffling in and out around your star players because you never acquire bird rights for anybody so that you can continue to pay them and go over the cap to do so. You need to be able to land some pieces that you can have stick around 
that you have bird rights for, whether you trade for these guys or if you wait until you have cap space like this summer and then sign these contracts that you're going to keep long-term. This this endless cycle of every year, we're going to have a 90% of our team be brand new players. It's just not the model for success in the NBA anymore. You need cohesiveness. You need stability year to year. And the Lakers have gone the complete opposite direction. They've been tearing it down every year. Um, it just doesn't work. HB, so Trevor, I keep hearing the front office won't make a move unless it makes the Lakers contenders, but isn't this the same front office that put this roster together? How will we know anything until we act? Yeah, that's true. You're not going to know what the team is until you go and do something, at least for sure. But again, this the front office has made a lot of mistakes and they're worried about making more. They're worried about making another one. You don't know for sure what the result of a trade is going to be. You just don't, right? That's part of the uncertainty of, of sports in general, right? But nonetheless, the Lakers know that if they mess up on this move, it could really, really, really set them back. So that's why they have to be careful. And they're, and they're saying, you know, we need something that's going to be significant, going to make us a contender and, and all of that. Now, you can say, well, does if you can get Boyan and Kuzma, does that make them a contender? And you could argue, yes, no, whatever, right? They go get Bradley Beal. Does that make them a contender? You can argue it, right? So there's there's going to be different perspectives on what is and what isn't a contender. But ultimately, what they what they need is they need a good deal. They need a good deal that they think can make a legitimate impact. And I think you can see what's going to be a good deal and what's not, right? Giving up two unprotected firsts and Russell Westbrook to get Doug McDermott and Josh Richardson is not a good deal even though Doug McDermott and Josh Richardson's skill sets fits this team, that's not a good deal, right? So what is a good deal and what isn't? That's ultimately what it's going to come down to for the, for this Lakers team. How do they get the right pieces in? Uh, Westbrook ISO made us lose momentum in the second quarter. I mean, that's what's supposed to, not, not necessarily ISO, but Schroeder was brought in, what, two, three seasons ago now in order to be the guy that can run the show. And when LeBron's out, he can have the ball and create offense. Didn't work out. Did a degree. The Lakers said, we still need that. We still need somebody to keep us afloat when LeBron is out. They went and got Russ. Part of why they got him. Wasn't just, hey, we want three stars. It's, hey, we want somebody who can keep us afloat, who can keep scoring the ball, and have us not give up ground every time LeBron goes out. Didn't work. But that's the role that Russ is supposed to be in. LeBron's out. Here you go, Russ. Here's the ball. Go lead us. And again, overall, I think he's been just fine this season, but that's the role. And it just has not worked. For multiples, for five years now, literally. Every time LeBron goes out, things fall apart. That's what's happened with the Lakers year after year after year. And in 2020, it didn't matter so much. They were able to win anyway. But in other seasons, we've seen where it matters. It matters a lot. And that's what the Lakers are trying to fight against. So that's why when you say, oh my gosh, Russ is going ISO. Well, yeah, but that's, you brought him in to do that. And you could say that was the wrong person to bring in. And that's that's fair. That's accurate. But that's the role. That's That's what he's supposed to be able to do. Jared Chalker, I wish LeBron had more Black Mamba in him instead of Care Bear. Oh, no. Care Bear, at some point, uh, will us to an effing win. I mean, LeBron has dragged this team pretty far this season in terms of just being in games. And you could say, okay, he wasn't clutch enough in crunch time or whatever. And LeBron's got some pretty amazing crunch time stats if we look at those But um, over the course of his career. But nonetheless, I, I understand, like, right? He hasn't hit the big three and, you know, with the, with the buzzer sounds, and the balls in the air, and he nails that shot. We haven't seen that. So I understand the frustration there, but, I mean, where is this Lakers team if they don't have LeBron? They're losing this game by 15, 20, right? Like, he's, he's willing them pretty far. He's trying to keep them in this so that maybe the front office will make a trade. But so far... Has not happened. 
has not happened. But again, I, I think LeBron has done a lot to try to keep the Lakers going here. Coach Bird, LeBron's shot selection at the end of games is horrible. There's no trade that will make him stop taking sidestep threes. Uh, maybe not, but there's also um, trades that will help provide more space so that if he does take that shot, it's a more open shot, or he's actually got the option of, of driving. Solzy, we win that with Buddy. So sad. Yeah, I think you could argue that. I think you could argue that and buddy healed on the team you maybe you win that game because you needed the shooting that was so obvious in this one brandon can we trade russ and none two picks for Bo? Bo. then waiting gabriel and thomas bryant for mcgee then bring bogey in but javel mcgee has not been he hasn't even been in the the rotation for the mavs um, he has been in the rotation. So I don't think you're going to get something done there. Um, I'm not sure who Bo is that you're looking for there. Is that Bogey? Two, Russ, none, two picks. I don't know who you're, you're referring to there. But winning Gabriel, Thomas Bryant, for McGee, like you could do, like the Mavs would do it because that would clear salary, but I don't think... Oh, then bring Boogie in. You could bring Boogie in. You can bring Boogie on board anyway, though. But Wendy and Gabriel and Thomas Bryant, you're not. Those are expiring contracts. Even if the money worked, the Mavs would be the Mavs would be doing backflips. <laughs> Mark Cuban would be doing backflips if they could trade JaVale McGee for that right now. McGill's not been McGee's not been good this season. And they gave him a, a three-year deal. Jay Delgado, LeBron needs to stop taking threes in the clutch. He would do better taking a mid-range or attacking the basket. Also, teams are now attacking Thomas Bryant on defense. Yeah, teams are teams have always done this, but they're going right at him. Teams are going right at him like he's not even there scoring over him. And again, that's not what Thomas Bryant is. He's not a great post defender. That's why, you know, Damian Jones was supposed to be able to do that kind of stuff, be a bit of a rim protector. Um, and why there's an argument for going and trying to find a guy who can be a rim protector for you. So it's not necessarily Thomas Bryant's fault, but that's just it's not who he is as a player. And teams are going right after him. That's that's what we're seeing right now. Teams are going right after Thomas Bryant non-stop. And again, that's a weakness of his. Teams are recognizing it and they're going after him. <laughs> People are saying Bo Cruz. <laughs> that's who the, that uh, he was referring to. Bo Cruz going after him. That'd be great. Can you get the movie version? If you can get the movie version, then then sure. All right. We've already gone on pretty long. Let me get to our favorite segment of the night, though. Let's uh let's do this one here. Here we go. Master Lock of the Night. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, our master lock of the night. We take whatever is the most frustrating thing from the game and we put it in our buddy Chris, the Masterpiece Masters, finishing hold, the master lock. So what gets put in the master lock from Lakers Nation tonight? I'm checking the comments here to see what people are saying. For me, for me, it's very simple. In the master lock, it's the late game execution. The late-game execution has let the Lakers down consistently this season. We've seen maybe nine or ten games so far. We're only a little over halfway through the season. We've seen nine or ten games where the Lakers have had opportunities to win and found ways not to. Um, We saw that again in this game. So, late-game execution for me gets the master lock of the night. All right, everybody. Oh... What a night. Unfortunate outcome here for the Lakers. Falling to the Sacramento Kings. 
I do appreciate everybody joining me. If you gave a super chat and I didn't get to it yet, I will save them, put it on to tomorrow's podcast. So that'll be coming. Be on the lookout for that. I'll put it on. I'll record that podcast tomorrow so it'll go out. What day is it even? It'll go out Friday morning. You'll have that out there. So if you gave a super chat and I didn't get to it yet, it'll be on the next show. But appreciate everybody. Thank you guys for joining me. Wish it was a better outcome. But live to fight another day. Memphis coming up on Friday. That's going to be a tough game. But we'll be right here with you through all of it. Till then, everybody. See ya and stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.